Welcome to CoreLogic REIP Market Insights with Tim Lawless. I'm your host, Sadhna Smiles. This is where you will get the most up-to-date information on what is happening across the country in the property market. Our data is underpinned by CoreLogic. Tim Lawless is the leading expert on the real estate market, and REIP is a collective of real estate industry leaders committed to uniting and empowering the industry and our clients. Please enjoy this month's Market Insights. Well, hello and welcome to this month's Market Insights. I'm your host, Sadness Miles, and with me is Tim Lawless, who heads up RP Data CoreLogic Research Team. Tim, Happy New Year and welcome to our podcast. And did you enjoy your break? G'day, Sadna. Happy New Year. And absolutely, I think I need a holiday from my holiday. Uh, it was a big family affair, but uh, yeah, we've certainly hit the ground running in 2021. It's been busy, busy. Yeah, I think the whole country really enjoyed spending time with family and friends and getting reconnected. And even though we weren't allowed the large groups, I think we all enjoyed a bit of a break from in the various levels of lockdowns that we've all experienced. Yeah, that's right. Plus, as, as a Queenslander, I've been had a little bit more freedom, it seems, especially up here at the Sunshine Coast. So uh, it was definitely um, a hard year last year. So yeah. well earned time, I think, for yeah. all of us. Well, it's interesting because, you know, we finished 2020 um, where we saw the steepest decline in population, job subsidies with JobKeeper, um, massive tax cuts available across the board, huge cash payments being made by the government, early access to super, loan deferments, working from home trends, and of course, the lowest interest rates ever. All the predictions of doom and gloom, yet we are seeing an increase in home values across the country with detached housing hitting record heights and predictions of a 15% boom in prices over the next few years. Incredible, really, when we were all predicting the doom and gloom. What are the key reasons behind this this trend in market and something that we're starting to see globally as well. Yeah, I think if you'd asked me uh, sort of March, April last year, where, where the housing market was going, my uh, my answer would be a lot different back then than it is now. And, uh, you know, clearly we've seen economic forecasts um, consistently being beaten by the actual economic performance. So we've been seeing Australia recovering much faster and earlier than expected. And of course, that's flowed through to improve consumer spirits. In fact, we can see sentiment levels for consumers is well above pre-COVID levels. So that's really flowed through to more activity in the marketplace. A big factor, of course, underpinning that demand is this record low mortgage rates. And they're here to stay for some time. So we are expecting this momentum that we've seen gathering in the market since September, really, will probably continue through 2021. Uh, of course, there will be some challenges around housing affordability. Once again, I think is going to become uh, a, a much debated topic as we see new record highs, nationally at least. But we still need to see the most expensive cities like Sydney and Melbourne recover another sort of three and a half to four and a half percent before they're back to record highs. And the fastest growing markets tend to be the most affordable ones as well, like Perth and Darwin, for example, are really uh, surging ahead in value, but Darwin values are still about 24% lower than what they were back in 2014. So as you say, this is a trend we're seeing outside of Australia as well. I mean, we only need to look as far as New Zealand to see how strong their market is. In fact, they're recording even stronger growth rates, uh, the, the fastest uh, um, improvements in housing values 
or rises in housing values in more than a decade. Even in the UK, where the virus is much more problematic, they're seeing rising property values and in the, and in the US as well. So it looks like a lot of people are turning to housing as a, uh, as a safe haven. Yeah, and it's happening in the regional areas as well. There's been a massive boom in regional areas. Do you think that working from home has had an impact on this? Well, I think working from home is, has only been part of it. You know, we, we were seeing a tree change or a sea change, whatever you want to call it, before COVID. And I think COVID's really amplified this trend. It's probably encouraged a lot of people to bring their plans forward. Uh, because as you say, it's it's become uh, easier to work from home and employers have become more flexible in their working arrangements. Although that is starting to change a little bit now. As, as we get the virus under control, there's a lot more companies looking to embark on a, a work from work program, so to speak. But I think the, the legacy of COVID is one that we will see ongoing, more flexible working arrangements. I think for many industries and, and types of occupations, that working from home experiment, if you will, has been very positive. We've seen a lot of workers very much more productive, not having to commute and being able to also get a bit more balance back in their lives mm. as well. And that's something population is going to drive, isn't it? That trend, if people have already made the commitment to move to country, uh, regional areas or interstate to keep their jobs or whatever, that trend is, is what's going to drive that behaviour in business really, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I think uh, there's other factors that are attracting people to the regional markets. It's, it's low density housing options. Mm -hmm. so, you know, we're definitely seeing demand transitioning towards houses and uh, areas with more space and, and lower population densities while the, while the pandemic is so fresh. I think that's, that's probably normal and to be expected. But also the regional markets are often more affordable than the capital cities. They offer up some lifestyle advantages uh, as well for a lot of people. So there's a lot of reasons why people are moving a bit further abroad, but I don't think we'll see the same sort of you know, momentum that we've seen through the second half of 2020 mm. continuing too much longer because partly you'll see that, that affordability gap narrowing, but also you'll probably find that a lot of employers are looking to, uh, to see their staff returning back to their offices now that the virus is, is pretty well contained. Under, under control. Um, now, we're seeing houses outperform units. Why is this trend happening? Yeah, houses are substantially outperforming units in some markets. And um, uh, there's a couple of reasons for this. I mentioned a bit earlier on this transition of demand towards lower density styles of housing, which I think is part of it. We're seeing more and more people looking for um, either larger apartments where they can have a study, for example, or moving into fringes of the metro areas where detached housing is more popular. But beyond that, we're also seeing a lot more first home buyers in the market. So first home buyers generally would be looking for detached homes, particularly in that sort of um, that, that, uh, uh, late 20s to, to late 30s age bracket as well. And then on top of that, we've also got the supply situation in some of the inner city apartment market precincts, particularly in Melbourne and Sydney. Yeah. We do have a lot of high rise apartments that are still under construction, adding to the already high supply levels at a time when demand is relatively low. Mm. How do you think the shift in the pricing from houses to units with units becoming lower and, and particularly in Melbourne where we've got the oversupply, how do you think that's going to impact investor decisions? Yeah, that's a good question. We're still seeing investors pretty slim on the ground. Uh, the housing finance data for December showed investors were only about 23% of the market. So 
you normally expect investors to be up around about a third of mortgage demand. So in that sense, they are extremely low, but, but rising. Uh, don't get me wrong, they're not going backwards, they're, they're rising, but we're just seeing owner occupiers surging into the marketplace faster than investors. So they're, they're getting watered down in some ways. But I think investors will be looking for uh, um, uh, prospects for capital gains as well as cash flow opportunities. And that generally implies that the apartment market's going to be less popular, particularly those inner city high rise rental precincts where we have generally seen um, uh, portions of the market like overseas students and foreign, uh, foreign migration levels is generally supported tenancies in those areas. So I think those inner city high rise precincts will be relatively unpopular with investors. And that segment will probably be looking more towards some of the smaller capital cities where we are seeing very strong prospects for capital gains like Brisbane, Perth, Darwin, but also markets where the yield profile is much stronger. And again, it's those same smaller capital cities, particularly areas like Darwin, the typical gross yield in Darwin is now up at 6%. And when you consider mortgage rates are generally down around the three or even lower percent mark, um, the opportunities for positive cash flow properties uh, in those smaller markets is, is much more uh, prolific. Mm. With the investor interest slowing down and uh, migrants slow it down completely, in fact, it's come to a complete standstill. Do you think the first home buyers will step into those spaces, even if they, I know they want to buy um, houses, but do you think the apartments may become something a little bit more affordable and, and that first home buyer group may be pushed into that market? Yeah, I think that'll be a gradual trend. Uh, absolutely. We're, we're seeing first home buyers extremely active at the moment. In fact, we haven't seen the number of first home buyers now since uh, about 2009 when the first home buyers grant boost was available. So first home buyers are a big part of what's driving price growth at the moment in mortgage demand. But also, I mean, is, will we see that demand drifting back into, uh, say, inner city regions or inner city apartments? I think gradually that will happen. And maybe this is just the natural cycle of the market as those precincts become more affordable because they're not seeing prices rising very much at all. In fact, going backwards in some regions, they are going to become more attractive. And I think eventually we will see that the inner city areas of our capital cities coming back to some level of normality as well as more people return to the office, mm. which will make those areas um, more vibrant and uh, probably more popular with the first home buyers as well. Mm. Do you think, and I, and I know stock will be an issue, I mean, you know, we're all wanting more houses on the market, but do you think the com combination of the low uh, interest rates and, you know, historically low interest rates, plus everyone's been saving over this COVID period, you know, spending has been low, so we've got increased household income and increased savings. Do you think that's driving prices up? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's, a, there's a couple of ways to look at um, supply in the marketplace. You've got listing numbers, which are extremely low, and then you've got how much new stock is being built. So the listings trend has persistently been extremely low uh, throughout 2020 and now coming into 2021, while buyer numbers have been rising very quickly. In fact, one way to look at it is we've seen listing numbers start 2021 down about 25% from a year ago and a year ago is already a low benchmark, whereas buyer activity is up by nearly 30%. So we're seeing this real mismatch between supply levels or at least advertised supply levels and buyer activity. That's, that's clearly one of the reasons that um, we're seeing some urgency coming back into the market and supporting this upwards pressure on prices. The other perspective is how many new homes are being built. And we are seeing this mm -hmm. real transition again towards 
building houses, not apartments. Uh, the, the first home buyers grants coupled with um, home builder uh, and the surge in first home buyer activity, I think is, is all just conspiring to, to create this synergy of pushing a lot of people into new detached housing uh, demand and building new homes. So we've seen the number of new homes being approved for, sale, uh, for construction actually at more than decade highs. So I think we are seeing a very clear transition towards development of greenfield housing and new detached housing, whereas not much activity is going mm. to be happening in those um, apartment markets. The, the obvious question then is what happens to the apartment market? You know, we'll have a lot of stock hitting the market for, for apartments over the next 12 months to 18 months. You wonder what's going to happen to the price points for those. Yeah, I think they will be under some downwards pressure mm. and uh, it really depends on when do we see international borders reopening. Yeah. As soon as we start to see foreign students coming back and uh, temporary migrants, that's where we'll start to see tenancy demand shoring up in those inner city markets. And of course, um, as we just discussed a little bit earlier on, affordability is becoming more straightforward and, and achievable in some of those inner city precincts as well. So mm. I think uh, the market will... will uh, naturally rebalance itself and uh, um, migration levels returning will also start to uh, yeah. cease. You're an advocate for the borders opening up, aren't you, Tim? Well, absolutely. You know, we look historically about 60% of Australia's population growth has come from overseas migration. Yes. And about 60% of that overseas migration has been temporary migrants. So students, visitors, that type of thing who stay here um, uh, on a non-permanent basis. So uh, as soon as we see those, uh, those borders start opening up, we'll start to see more students coming back to universities. They're hurting, of course. Mm. And uh, we'll start to see those inner city apartment markets uh, once again coming back to life. Mm. Now, some predictions are that we'll see increases in, in prices in Melbourne by 12% over the next two years, Sydney by 14%, Brisbane by 20%. Do you agree with those numbers? Yeah, those numbers sound pretty achievable to me, considering, uh, I mean, it's sort of a two-year span. So say if you're seeing Melbourne rising by 10 or 12%, that's 5 to 6% a year. So uh, it's definitely on track to achieve that at the moment. It corresponds with a lot of the commentary coming out of the Reserve Bank as well, mm. uh, which, which shows that you know, with interest rates remaining persistently low, they, they expect there will be some upwards pressure on asset uh, um, values as well, which... I think the RBA is, is very willing to look through. They, they see rising household wealth as a byproduct of, of rising housing values, which then flows into greater levels of consumption, uh, more business investment and so forth as well. So I think it makes sense that um, when, when interest rates are this low, we should expect housing values are going to respond very positively. But I think the strongest growth rates are going to be in those markets that were previously the weakest. Mm -hmm. Perth, Darwin are already standing out. Uh, uh, Perth values are still about 18% lower than what they were back in 2014. So a long way to go to recover, whereas markets more exposed to say overseas migration or already have um, uh, uh, relatively un unaffordable housing prices are probably going to be a little bit softer. So markets yeah. like Melbourne will still see values rising, just not as quickly. Mm. What, what do you what do you think about them? I mean, there has been some commentary around that perhaps we're in a in a bit of a bubble. You know, um, population growth is subdued. We've had cash incentives from the government, which ends in March for a number of industries across the country, which means unemployment may rise, and certainly wage rises are non-existent. Now, all of this is probably going to happen post March. Do you think 
that with some commentary around that this is a bubble we're in right now. Do you agree with that? Well, there's definitely some headwinds, absolutely. And uh, those headwinds have diminished quite substantially since uh, late last year. We've been seeing a lot fewer people on a deferred basis for the mortgages. It's down, down, down below 3%. Uh, we're seeing unemployment rates coming down. It looks like the unemployment rate probably peaked back in the middle of last year around 7.5% and consistently improving since then. But you're right, as, as we see a lot of this fiscal support winding down, there is some additional risk coming back into the marketplace and we'll see how the market can perform on its own devices without this uh, additional level of fiscal support. You've got to remember one of the reasons why we're seeing this wind down of fiscal spending from the government is because the economy is repairing and improving. In fact, um, it's improving much faster than what the forecasts uh, originally indicated. So I think in some ways, this is a positive sign that we're seeing things going back to normal, but it will test the marketplace and mm. uh, particularly some niches or some precincts of the market uh, may be more exposed than others. Mm. So we are expecting, for example, areas with high levels of investment, where there's been a weak rental market conditions, for example, you know, city precincts of Melbourne and Sydney are really good examples of that could be areas where we do see more distressed properties coming on the market. And I've got a suspicion that lenders probably won't provide as much forbearance to investors as what they will to owner-occupiers. Mm. What do you see happening in the rental market? I mean, you know, we, we have seen, particularly the inner city markets in some of the capital cities have um, excess stock and so price points are being pushed down, whereas the outer suburbs, you know, lack of stock and price points are being pushed up. It's almost like a two-speed rental market. Do you see that? trend continuing? At the moment, I think it will. Um, I'm not too sure how long it will persist. And, and again, it really comes back to what's the demand side going to do? Do we start to see borders opening up? Do we start mm. to see coming back to, to uh, the office and so forth? But at the moment, we are seeing very divergent rental trends. We're seeing apartment rents falling quite swiftly in Sydney and Melbourne. Melbourne apartment rents are down uh, by nearly 8% over the past 12 months. Sydney are not quite as much, but they're getting close. Whereas in the detached um, uh, housing sector, rents are generally rising. Geographically, we can see the tightest rental conditions are in markets like Perth and Darwin, where house rents are now moving back into double-digit annual growth. And this is happening at a time when rental moratoriums are still yes. uh, generally in place as well. So again, once we start to see those moratoriums uh, being removed, which, which for most areas is, is going to be happening in March, we'll start to see you know, the, the, the true dynamic of rents, which I think could even see some of these trends we've been seeing become amplified, stronger conditions in really tight rental markets like Perth and Darwin, and maybe looser conditions in some of these inner city apartment markets where we've seen a real demand shock against higher supply levels. Well, Tim, thank you for your insights. Um, look forward to catching up with you again next month once the data is out through RP Data Core Logic to see how the market is performing. Thanks, Sadna. Always a pleasure. See you next month. See you next month. Thank you for tuning in. To keep up to date, please subscribe to our channels and feel free to share this update with your tribe. Until next time, stay safe and stay connected.